Before we get started, I simply want to give a blanket disclaimer on this episode. Though we have said we are not a political podcast, we want to talk about missing, murdered, unsolved cases to bring light to them and also talk about some goofy stuff in between. What we are discussing today is political only because currently government is attempting to take trans rights away from individuals. When it was said a year ago that they wouldn't stop at Roe v. Wade, this is what they meant. Based on what's happened, more and more people are going to see more of their rights stripped from them, and this is not okay. For those unaware, several states are currently attempting to make it a crime to even exist if you are a trans person. They're attempting to revoke access to gender-affirming care that many trans individuals use. Some states are even advocating making it a requirement to register as a trans person, like you're a sex predator, while also perpetuating the narrative in the media that trans individuals are pedophiles. They are not. This is causing a lot of trans individuals to flee to sanctuary states across the nation. This is all important information to take into account as I tell you about these two stories today. That being said, today's episode is a heavy one. It will be emotional for me, and I want to give a trigger warning for those not ready to hear about this topic. There is assault. There is transphobia hate crimes, and of course, murder. If you aren't ready to hear about this today, we invite you to circle back when you are ready. If you are ready, let's get into it. Hello, I'm Montana. And I'm Samantha. And you're listening to Reaper Tales. And today, I'm going to tell Samantha about trans murders. At least a couple. Yeah. But before we get started, Samantha, what are we drinking? And we are only drinking this because of obvious reasons, but uh, we are going with the Bud Light. Oh, you don't say. Well, today, here is cheers to Bud Light. Cheers. The only time I'll ever say that for this. I know. I would never... But I did it. Mm. Okay. Well, but at least I showed my support, right? And isn't that yeah. important, right? To show your support for companies that are doing something right, even if it is just for publicity? Yeah. For sure. Well, you have to counteract a bunch of people shooting a bunch of Bud Light, I guess. I don't know. All it did was get their name out, and I've not heard so many people talking about Bud Light in my life. So I know. Also, they got their name out. I just have to say, Dylan Mulvaney is like, I have followed Dylan for like two years on TikTok, and I like I commend her for like what she does for the trans community. But I simply like her for her positive attitude because I don't have one. <laughs> 
And so, like, is that why you like me? Oh wait, no, it's not. Unfortunately, I'm you not see it all the time. My... <laughs> no, but seriously, depression, and... anxiety are real. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. But her, like, anything she puts out, she's so positive, and like, she doesn't have any reason to be positive because there's so many people against her. Well, I mean, she has reason to be, but any whole point being is like people just have that mentality and it's part of me envies it and part of me is like oh honey you just don't know what the real world's like even though when i know they do it's still like there's there's that uh, naivete that we assume they have because they're still happy and they're like you haven't been disillusioned yet that's all that's happened (laughs) but they have and that's the thing they just have a positive attitude my husband is one of those um perpetual optimist and it blows my mind every single time something happens and he's like i think it'll be fine oh really you do do you he he truly is i don't understand where he gets this from i don't either (laughs) but i am the doubt i'm the debbie downer of this relationship 100 (laughs) percent. i mean and i try to be the positive person normally but with him i have to be the realist that's how i look at it anyway but yeah no to yeah i um it's important to have optimism in your life so if you can't do it through your friends or your relationships do it through tiktok find somebody who's positive my husband is not the most positive person either (laughs) my best friend obviously is not the most positive person either so i get a lot of positivity from like dylan's videos and things like that i just enjoy seeing her be happy and her own self and so like that brought me joy and to see a lot of people talk about well i'm never drinking bud light again because dylan drank one in a bathtub okay (laughs) can i join this bathtub like i'm so (laughs) ready to feel happy by the way so i made i'm I'm going to do a blanket thing. I made a, a, a blanket post without mentioning any specific names or specifications about why, but I basically made a, a, a thing about on Facebook and I was just like, if you, if you're going to protest a beer, at least do it on taste. And if you're protesting Bud Light, it's not on taste. Cause if you were drinking it before, this should not be the thing that makes you stop drinking it. Yeah. <laughs> the same way. Like, I haven't, <laughs> I mean, no shade. No <laughs> it's sh- full shade. All the shade. I'm not <laughs> like your beer is not great. Um, I am, but I appreciate what you. I appreciate what you're bringing to the table. The support. Yeah. It's delayed. A lot of beer companies have been doing this way before you, but I appreciate the effort, um, regardless of the reasons behind it. To be perfectly and honest, do it so like, like outwardly and publicly. And blatant. Yeah completely blatant and then having another ad that's like hey you guys are butthurt get over it yeah pretty much (laughs) (laughs) totally enjoyed it i'm here for it that's why we're uh we're drinking it so this has um, to be the first bud light i've had in like god six or a decade yeah i was thinking maybe a decade well okay anyways so um in light of recent events. In light of recent events, I am going to cover um, 
to trans murders. But before I do. Um, but also, to be clear, you were looking these up well before any of this happened. We just felt like it was timely. I was. And I was going to cover this um, a few months ago, but I couldn't because I couldn't stop crying. And so as I was researching, just to be like blanketly transparent with everyone, this topic hits very close to home with me simply because I have a very close friend of mine who is a trans person. And since a lot of this news has been coming out, I have made him text me every single day to make sure that he is safe. And that's the type of environment that trans people are living in. And I want to make that clear. And so anytime I think about this, I think about him. And while a lot of these violent crimes are not uh, perpetuated against like trans males, it is perpetuated against trans females. I know that he is still at a higher risk of being assaulted or being harmed because of who he is. And it hurts me emotionally to think about him being harmed. And anytime I I read about these cases, it is very difficult. So this has not been an easy thing for us to do. It was not something we were ready. I'm ready to do. It was not something we thought we would have to do, but it is something that is important and we need to talk about it. Not talking about it doesn't mean it doesn't happen, but it does make some people believe it doesn't happen. Yes. So. <sighs> Let me calm down a minute. Deep breath. Take a sip I of your know. beer. Ooh. If that don't put you in a better mood. Mm. <laughs> I don't know what else would. <laughs> mm. So. <clears throat> The reason I said what I said at the top of the episode is because it plays a major role in how you view the statistics of violent crimes against trans individuals, as well as how the timeline of the rise in violent crimes against trans individuals correlates with the assault on their mere existence. So let's get into the statistics. And you know, your girl loves statistics. Data scientists, I'm here for numbers. it. I know you guys are about to get a lot of numbers, but I want you to listen to what I'm about to say because the numbers matter. They always do. They matter for your bonuses. They matter for your KPIs, wherever you work. And they matter when it comes to murder of marginalized people. In 2020, we began to see a sharp, steep rise in violent, fatal incidents against transgender and gender nonconforming people. In a 2022 article between October 2021 and September 2022, 327 reported murders of transgender people and gender diverse people were reported. This is actually 
probably not even the correct number since some of these go either unreported or misreported. And when I say misreported, the this is when I say misreported, when you look at media occurrences of transgender or gender non-conforming people, a lot of them are either misgendered. So you don't even know that they're transgender or they're dead named. Or and both. The, or both. And the amount of articles that I came across when I was researching the cases that I am going to cover today, where it either dead named them or misgendered them, it, it was incredible. Just... And every time I saw it, it just made me angrier and angrier. I'm going to, I'm just going to go ahead and say, I'm going to work really hard to keep a lot of my thoughts and feelings to myself because I know you have a lot to cover and I want to give you the time that you need to do that. So that being said, I don't understand why it's so freaking hard to refer to a person as they prefer to be referred. Yeah. And leave it at that. It's just not that fucking hard. It's and really it's- not. And it's not even that pronouns or names. It does not matter. Just if if I'm Samantha, people ask me every single time I introduce myself, would you like to, is it Sam or Samantha? You're asking me how I prefer to be referred to going forward. If I gave you a completely different name, would you call me that? Yes. But if it was a male name, all of a sudden you wouldn't want to. Why? What difference does it make? It's a fucking name. Riley can be a boy's or a girl's name. So why does it matter? I just don't freaking get it. No, yeah. Whenever you throw something in there that gives like a qualifier for what somebody is, people feel like some type of way. Like if I call you a cis woman, how are you going to feel about it? As far as how I feel about it? I mean, that's what I am. So I don't feel anything about it. Okay. Yeah. As soon as I say I'm like a gender non-conforming individual okay how do, yeah okay there we go but it's no different to me because it's just how you prefer to identify um i don't understand why it's so complicated and why it matters that's i guess that's the thing i don't understand why it matters well we we can go in a rabbit hole and talk about the patriarchy, that's, that's just but we're the not basic, going i'm just saying that's the basic overview as a human being basic respect I can give to you is ask you how you prefer to be referred to as regardless of pronouns, whatever you want to call it. And you want to make it a big deal. If you prefer to be called Tana and your name is Montana. Okay. I'll call you Tana. That's not hard. If you prefer to be called Zach, I'll call you Zach. I really don't care because that's your preference. You're a human being and you're allowed to be asked to be called whatever you want to be called. What difference does it make to me? Well, at the end of the day, If you think about how pronouns affect your every single day, normally when I introduce myself for the past two or three years, I have said, hi, I'm Montana, she, her, or she, they, however I feel, and they respect that. You can think about it in the same aspect of, are you miss or missus? Yeah, same thing. 
And honestly, a lot of women prefer to not be asked that question, to be perfectly honest, because it doesn't matter whether I'm married or not. You can refer to me as miss or uh, eventually I'll get to there, but doctor is fine. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. But I actually had a class for the first time with uh, the company that I work with. And one of the people on the class had they them. And I was like, I'm so glad that my company is inclusive. And they ask us to put that on our Zoom like IDs because it makes it that much easier for me to address you the way that you want without me having to ask because you already have it on your your profile so I can address you appropriately not just by name but also by your pronoun I just it just makes it that much easier to be respectful of a person in the way that they prefer to be addressed I just don't understand why it's complicated but we'll leave it at that and move on I agree so <laughs> okay back to the it's already been said so I don't have to say it again all right good so, 95% of the murders globally... Sorry. Also, if you hear a dog whining in the background, it is my stepdaughter, so I do apologize. I'm trying to remember to mute it, but she's loud. <laughs> is it Sophia? No, it's Isabella's dog. Oh. <laughs> it's so loud. <laughs> oh, I... That I know if I can hear it, it's loud. That dog is ancient. I don't understand. Um, She's never okay. going to die. She's going to outlive us all. <laughs> I know. I feel some type of way about that dog. Anyways, 90, 95% of the murders um, associated with transgender people globally were women or trans female, uh, feminine people so 95 percent of transgender murders are associated with female female um presenting people and that's globally okay half of murder do we know how accurate it is in other countries yes is it more accurate in other countries sort of okay just wanted to know sort since of. we're talking statistics it is I, I could go through a breakdown of like the countries that are more accurate and the ones that aren't but you're still gonna get those people who are not actually reporting these murders as what they are because they don't want to hate crime they don't want you know, these certain topics associated with either their county, their region, whatever it is. Um, I will say that Brazil does a decent job of registering their trans murders. And with that said, uh, I'm going to go ahead and spoil it for you because at the end of this, I tell you the numbers. Brazil is the number one murder rate for trans people yeah okay so half of murdered trans people who's occupied so half of the 95 percent is trans people who are known sex workers and we all know that sex workers are um easy victims for people to harm, assault, and kill. And before anybody asks, we are advocates for sex work. It is real work. 
and uh, just Ooh, don't. You make your money. Yeah. I mean, it's if you make, but if you're going to make your money, make it the best money you can. Because yeah. let's face it, you should be making some good money. Don't harm people who are working for you. I mean, that goes for anybody. If that you goes somebody- for any profession whatsoever. Don't harm yeah. anybody around okay. you. That actually, that just goes as a human being. Don't harm other people. Yeah, true. It's, it's, a, it's that easy. You got somebody cutting your grass. You don't go out there and you beat them up. No. You work for a financial institution, you don't do unethical practices and shortchange the client in order to make more money on compensation. That seems specific, but yes, (laughs) I'm just saying do no harm. It's that simple. Don't harm other people in general. Yeah. So if you're not harming other people and you are providing a service that other people want and are willing to pay for, there's nothing wrong with it. No, it's not. Sex work is real work. Very much very We're putting our foot so. down on that topic. <laughs> like, um, of the cases with data on race and ethnicity, racialized trans people make up 65% of reported murders. So, of the trans community that is getting murdered, 65% of them are not white, pretty much, which is not surprising. Nope. 36% of trans people reported murdered in Europe were migrants. Again, not surprising. 68% of all murders registered happened in Latin America or Caribbean or the Caribbeans. 29% of the total was happening in Brazil. This is where we kind of get it into. That kind of surprises me, but I guess it's just because I haven't really looked into this a lot. So I'm not, I'm not going to pretend to be well-versed in this subject. I'm not going to lie. I was very surprised that Brazil was so transphobic, quite frankly. There were a lot of cases in Brazil I mean, let's be honest, Brazil's got a lot going on. It's not just that. I mean, poor people are are just in general, anybody that's poor has a lot going on. So, I mean, there's there's a lot going on in that country in general. But I just I I guess I just wouldn't have pegged that, you know, I wouldn't have either. No, same. Not specific for that anyway. I I truly thought either like the Americas or like russia or something like that would have been top tier when it came to like these types of hate crimes but it's not Just i mean to show you it doesn't matter the stat the status of the country let's not mince words here america is number three when it comes to hate crimes and murders oh no i don't people. doubt it i'm just saying it all i'm <laughs> saying is all it means is it doesn't matter about the status of the country it's it's a problem yeah, Period. but I, I mean, same same boat. I was surprised that Brazil was at the same. Anyway. I'm honestly surprised the U.S. is at three. Just yeah, I, I truly thought we would be number one. Um, and we, we might be after 2023. Um, That's not making any predictions because I really don't want that to be the case. I well, do. I was looking at statistics for 2023 and they are already far surpassing 
2022, 2021, and 2020. Again, screaming in the background. I'm sorry. I have children here. That being said, um, you know, I think the biggest problem I have with it is you hope as a society we're getting better. But it just doesn't seem like that's the direction we're going in. And that's just really disheartening. That's all. Most of the victims who were murdered were between the ages of 31 and 40 years old. For the same months that span between 2018 and 2019, there were a total of 331 murders reported. For every year, this number has grown. In fact, the number has doubled over four years between 2017 and 2021. And they measure their numbers on a fiscal year between like October and uh, September. So 2023 won't be out for several months for almost a whole year, basically. Mm -hmm. Well, 2022 won't be out. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I meant. Sorry. Yeah. I know it's a lot of numbers, but I'm a numbers gal. Hi, data scientist. Surprise. Uh, It's important to understand those numbers to see the increasing rates and violence against the trans community. While I know that there are many more murders that happen outside of the trans community, you also have to take into account the effort law enforcement will be willing to expand for anyone in a community such as a trans community that is actively being attacked, not just from citizens, but also from their own governments. The United States isn't alone in their attacks against the trans community either. One simply has to look to our closest neighbor to see that this is a global epidemic against the community. And this is kind of where I go into um, the country stats. I'll link some sites in our show notes to show the statistics on all of this. Lastly, on this topic, just to point out that we aren't the only country harming the trans community, I found some information on the Trans Murder Monitoring website. The stats on here show the murder rate year by year and country by country. Brazil is number one with more than double the rate of the next two. So Brazil has more trans murders than the next two. And the next two... Yeah, but like you've said, I wonder if that's because of the reporting. I wonder if their reporting is just more accurate. That's one of my guesses. I mean, Uh, I'm just saying not that it's, it's less or anything like that, but just because it's such a drastic change, I wonder if it's just more accurate. That's what I would guess. I think that there are more murders for in the trans community in the United States than what's reported or reported accurately. Um, I just... Uh, if you for, go- you, for those, by the way, for those of you that say this doesn't matter, it doesn't matter because it's a person who was murdered in part, you were correct. They're a person and they were murdered. And that is wrong. 100%. Here's where the difference is. 
This is a targeted murder more often than not. That's where the difference lies. And this is why it's important to report it accurately because it shows it as a problem rather than just another statistic. Yes. Yes. So the second and third, obviously, are um, the United States and Mexico are the leading murder rates for uh, trans people. So obviously, I am from, or I currently live in North Carolina, right outside of Charlotte. So let's talk about Charlotte, North Carolina. I found an article written last year on Charlotte axios.com that ranks Charlotte having the second most fatal instances of anti-trans violence. Okay. So that's surprising. It is considering how, um, our pride parades go, how there's so many like gay bars and things like that. It, it's surprising that there's so much violence against that community. But when I, looked it up and I was looking at case after case after case. It was really bad. It was really bad. And I didn't know. So it's right behind Chicago. Chicago is the first in the United States when it comes to violence against the trans community. Can I take a minute though? Chicago's crime rate very high. Mm-hmm. So that's not super surprising. Charlotte's crime rate is not that high. Not when, if you're doing comparatively, you're talking drastic difference in statistics. Yeah. That's really surprising. I definitely yeah. would have thought that, let's be honest, I would have definitely thought my area would have been higher. Yeah, same. But. No, it's it's Charlotte. So I want to I want to talk about this story is obviously going to be short. There are not a lot. There's not a lot of information on any case in Charlotte when it comes to a murdered trans individual. But I do want to talk about one that's unsolved, and then after that, we're going to get into a deeper case that has consequences aligned with it, but I did want to give a case that is not solved simply because that's where my heart is. If there's anything that can be done for it, I would like to get it out there. So we're going to talk about uh, Cheryl Faulkner. (laughs) My God, here's what I wrote. I wrote this months ago, so forgive me for what I'm about to say because I'm about to repeat myself a bit. Um, I want to start out by saying yourself to herself. Yeah. I want to herself from months ago. (laughs) I want to start out by saying, fuck the WCCB Charlotte news side, which is affiliated with the CW. Fuck the CW. Wow. You're (laughs) getting right to it. All right. (laughs) Getting right to it. They reported on this by constantly misgendering Cheryl. They literally titled the article by misgendering her and dead naming her. Like, the title of their article 
did not list her as Cheryl. They literally said man murdered. Question. Was it evident that they knew otherwise? Her Facebook was full. Okay. I'm just asking for devil's advocate. There's always that, you know, it could happen that they don't know any better. And they're told by family or whatever. Okay. Her family told I'm not saying they didn't. I'm just clarifying. It's just, it's so frustrating. Oh my God. Just how hard is it? And especially as a journalist. As a journalist and as any kind of news source, you should be doing your due diligence to represent accurately the information you're presenting as news. Yeah. But that idea is a novelty at this point. So I don't really expect any of them to do any kind of work. So I then go on to curse a bunch of other news sites. I'm not going to list them, but they all did the same thing. Um, We're just not going to get into it. Like if you, if you know a news site is dead naming or misgendering somebody, write them, let them know. Let them know that you're upset about it. Yeah. It's not, it's not okay. Um, That's not showing respect for the deceased. No, it's not. And that should be the person who ultimately gets the most respect in this situation. Exactly. So this wasn't, this one obviously isn't going to be long, it's very long at all. Um, Blah, blah, blah. Oh, I talk about her Facebook. We already covered that. So, because you asked about it, or you asked about something, so I just brought it up. Um, Cheryl was a 46-year-old black trans woman. On November 30th, 2016, Cheryl was found with severe injuries next to a dumpster at the plaza and 35th street an area that was thought to be an lgbtq plus friendly area this i want you to remember november 30th 2016 when she was found i'll do my best cheryl was taken to the hospital where she survived for a few months She did die from her injuries on May 16th, 2017. Six months? Yes. Holy cow. She survived six months. I... I was so shocked by that. This turned the investigation into her attack into a homicide investigation. But that's all. That's all I can find on her case. No information on what's been going on with her case or if there's been any kind of movement in it. This is the frustrating part of covering unsolved cases, especially unsolved cases when it comes to marginalized groups. There's not a lot of information that we can get. But I did want to include it in this. 
I mean, how many cases have I listened to from other podcasts where it was a sex worker and that's literally how it ends mm -hmm. until 10, 15, 20 years later, a serial killer gets all of a sudden arrested and DNA becomes a question. And then all of a sudden it links it to all of these different cases where they just never even looked really into it after a certain point because they were a sex worker and that's just the risk they took in that job and it ties to so many so many different people that could have been saved had they looked i can tell you right now i looked at cases in north carolina i looked at cases in south carolina i looked at cases in georgia i looked at cases in virginia and every single Every single investigator, head investigator in this was like, we are not, either they didn't say anything about the lack of information that they gave for it, or they said, we're not giving information because we need to hold stuff back. This and in some cases they do, because they don't want to present too much in information on the off chance that somebody presents false information using but it. But this is what they're giving. That information is what they're giving. And it's nothing. The question is, are they actively still looking? Probably not. If they can't be bothered to give any more information than that. Yeah, there's a case that I'm never going to cover, probably because it's too vast and it would be like a four-parter that we originally started talking about when we started this podcast that was, um, it involved dozens of sex workers and it was in actually Canada and not here. Um, they never identified like half of and the body won't. because they couldn't find enough left of the bodies to be able to identify them. And this person killed dozens of sex workers. And it was literally because nobody bothered dozens of sex workers from the same area. Dozens were missing over a period of years and nobody bothered to look. If you just barely did some investigation, you should have figured it out, but they didn't. Yep. The effort needs to be there. I, I think the, the, the effort there would help and it would save lives. And that's were, how it needs to be looked at. You're saving. It's not what lives you're saving. It's the fact that you're saving lives because a human life is a human life. Yeah. Well, and it's not just that it's, it's, it's give us just something. Give or us at least give something. us something to look for or look out for to be on our own guard as women we know we know that's our job right is to look out for all the dangers because the protections are not put there for us no they're not so, so at least give us something to look out for in general the population True words, true words, never spoken. Outside of just a man. <laughs> so, uh, Every man. North Carolina's largest LGBTQ advocacy organization, Equality North Carolina, released a statement about Faulkner's death on their web website. Quote, Our hearts are heavy with the news of the death of Cheryl Faulkner. Ames Simmons, director of the transgender policy at Equality North Carolina, wrote, 
We are facing... We are facing a national epidemic of violence with 11 trans people, many of them transgender people of color, murdered in 2017. We are asking leaders and community members at every level to consider consider both the overt and underlying reasons for these killings. We must address the root causes of violence against our community. We cannot rest until the violence stops. Unquote. Yeah. Yeah. Simply put, yeah. And just a last breakaway for the time being. I've had a lot of people ask me recently because I've been so into this research because I keep going back to it. I keep going back to it. I'm like, eventually I'm going to cover it. And so if any time the topic of like trans rights comes up in my everyday life, I've had people say to me just over the past week, we don't, we don't need that shoved down our throat. And I have said to them, nobody's shoving the way they want to live down your throat. They simply don't want to be harmed. And that's what they're advocating for. And that's why you're hearing about it. And people in power are rolling back protections against them as we speak. You may not care about them and that is fine. You don't have to hear about them, but you're hearing about them because people are turning the clock back and they're making it easier to harm these people. Point. You, I, I get so irritated by people who say, don't shove it down my throat. I can count on one hand every single day the heterosexual couples that I see walking down the road holding hands quick peck on the lips or cheek they don't have anything to fear they have no problems they're not shoving it down my throat I don't feel like they're shoving it down my throat because they don't have any combatants bringing up the problem of why are why is this this woman and man kissing in public why why are this woman and man holding hands in public that's not right we shouldn't be doing that We think of that as, quote unquote, normal, which is a ridiculous term, by the way. The reason why it's being shoved, quote unquote, down your throat is because other people who are in power are trying to remove those rights from people who should have them as a human being. So if you're mad about those people doing the things that they want to do as human beings and they should be allowed to do as human beings, be mad at the people in power for bringing it up as a problem and trying to prevent that from happening. It's not that hard. If you're mad about it being shoved down your throat, direct that anger to the right people, which is the people in power making laws and trying to prevent other people from having the rights to do the things that they should be able to do as human beings. And they're hurting exactly no one in what they're doing. But removing their rights 
is telling them that they're less of a human being than you are. And they're uplifting entire families. I mean, the amount of families I have seen on like TikTok and Facebook where they are packing their entire household to move to different states because they have a child who is a transgender person or they have a spouse just so they can get the care that they need or not be targeted. This is not. The most disgusting thing I've ever seen is a person yelling at another person for showing affection for another human being that they care about because they didn't believe that that was okay. That is not your place, child. And that's what you are, a child. Because those two people who are in love have the right to exhibit that love no different from any other two people. So stop. If you have a problem with them, you should have a problem with all PDA. And we all know what PDA is. Public displays of affection. If one is wrong, then they're all wrong. Or none of them are wrong and none of them are wrong. Because there's nothing that I love seeing more than two people who genuinely love and are showing that in public, regardless of the sex or gender that they identify as either person. I mean, mean, that is one of the most pure things that I see on TikTok and on Reels and and that sort of thing is when a couple posts things about the stupid, goofy things that they do. And it's like, oh my gosh, y'all are so gross. But God, you love each other and it's so gross, but it's also adorable. I mean, if you hate shit like that, you're not going to like Sam and I walking hand in hand into a restaurant, (laughs) which we do. You're not going to like my husband and I pay my Facebook posts either because Montana regularly comments on it, but she secretly loves it. It's disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, even that though, I mean, I love you. I tell you that I tell you that in public and we enjoy each other's company and we might hold hands sometimes, or we might sit right next to each other. Nobody knows whether we're married in a relationship or just best friends. What difference does it make? I still love you. Who cares? Who the fuck cares? People who are. Have nothing better to do and don't have a good relationship themselves most of the time. Yeah. Well, we could get into the patriarchy. But But anyway. We we don't have time for that because I have an entire other case to cover. I know. I'm I'm delaying this other case because you've warned me about it. So. I was going to cover another unsolved case. But again, I came up against a wall of no information. Don't worry. At some point, I do plan to cover these other cases. When I can dig up a bit more information. Instead, I want to talk about a well-known case or better known than most involving the trans community. I hadn't heard of it. I assume you probably haven't heard of it, but it is a well-known case that involves the trans community. It's about Gwen Arufo. All right, so we took a, a slight break. Do we need to provide a break yes. for the listeners? <laughs> Maybe. Because bathroom and stuff like that. And I forgot how to pronounce uh, Gwen's last name. 
I just want to point out to you, Samantha, that I actually wrote down the way to say her name phonetically. Is that how mm-hmm. you say it? And I forgot I did, I did that. And so there was like actually no point for us to take a break. That's okay. I needed I needed. <laughs> so uh, it's it's pronounced Gwen Arejo. Uh, Rejo. Um, and is that rain? Can you hear the rain? You're asking me? It's on your side of the microphone. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say that there are several different last names that are going to be involved in this because there are m- multiple perpetrators that come in to play in this. I'm not going to pronounce them correctly and i don't fucking care because fuck them fair enough um so be prepared for that but anybody who is a victim involved in this their name's going to be pronounced correctly so i'm going to tell you about gwen arejo there is a documentary about gwen called being gwen a life and death story I have not yet watched it. I wanted to, and I had it queued up last night. But again, as you know, I fell asleep finishing my notes. So I didn't have a chance to watch the documentary. We do this medicine, man. (laughs) It's killing me. So Quinn Arejo was born on February 24th, 1985 in Brawley, California, to Edward Arejo and Sylvia Guerrero. Her parents divorced when she was 10 months old. While Gwen had been born biologically male, her immediately her immediately her immediate family noticed early on that she identified more easily with being a girl than a boy. In 1999, at the age of 14, Gwen sat down with her mother for a talk. Her mother remembers Gwen telling her, I don't feel like a boy. I feel like a, I feel like a freak. Her mother recalls they both cried a lot that night, but she eventually told her daughter she would support her transition. I'm sorry. That's so sad. Yeah. Her older sister, Pearl, said Gwen let her hair grow out and started wearing makeup, but at the time, she didn't comprehend the change Gwen was going through. The first time she saw makeup smeared, quote, the first time I saw makeup smeared, I was yelling, what's wrong with you? Sansory said, I didn't understand. I never heard the word transgender until she died. Gwen's family, while not all immediately adjusted to the change, they soon started to see and accept her as a woman. And By the way, 2000- that's how a family should react. Yeah. Accepting? You're still the same person. Okay. You look different. 
you want to do different things. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. You're still you. Different name. Still you. Different pronouns. Still you. Samantha, what if you want to be called a cat? I don't know. Would you accept it? No. You might start freaking out if I start meowing at you. I'm making a joke. I've had people ask me, what what, what happens when people want to be called a cat? I know a lot of people that like to be called cat. Oh, I should use that. Oh my God. That's a good one. It's it's only it's only gonna go downhill from here. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pull out your uh, your uh, thing here soon. Okay. So in the fall, also, is there any way to stop her from listening to this one? Mm-hmm. Probably not. Oh, okay. She doesn't listen all, right. all the time, so she may miss this one. She missed the last one. Okay, good. Um, in the fall of 2002, Gwen met Michael Magidison. Doesn't matter. Michael Magdison. He was 22, who invited her to hang out with his friends. According to court testimonies, Gwen, who presented herself as Lita, engaged in sexual acts with Magdison and his friend. 22-year-old Jose Morel. However, the two men grew suspicious after she wouldn't allow them to touch certain parts of her body. In other words, she was probably taking care of them, and then she drew the line. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Which, I said in my notes, which newsflash men, and pretty much anyone, it doesn't have to be just men, if anyone doesn't want you to touch them in certain places, trans, cis, non-binary, don't fucking touch them yeah. there. It's as simple as that. It's not complicated. It's not hard. It's shit thoughts like this that perpetuate rape, rape culture. My God, Montana. Pass, Montana. Good job. For one. Good job. You got this. You make good points. You just sometimes go about it in a different way. I know. I, it's a, My head doesn't work the way yours does. That's we, for damn we, sure. We, <laughs> We've established we found that. that out. <laughs> it's getting better. It's getting... Well, it's never no, going to be no, on better, your level. No, no, no. My level is not necessarily better. Let's establish that. My level is my level. Your level is your level. And it works well together. That's true. That's true. Clarification. My level is still just as good. It may be chaotic. It may yeah, not make sense. It's chaotic and it could be better, but it doesn't have to be me to be better. Like it doesn't have to be my level. You can have your own level. That's true. That's true. ADHD is a bitch, guys. <sighs> Don't I know it. I deal with enough people with it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I doing love, better I though. I love you all. I really do. Oh, look. I even took my medicine this morning. You job. See. Good job. It has the, the timer on it. Wait, does that say Thursday? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did oh I take God. it today? Oh <laughs> did I not take it today? Oh my God. 
I'm no proud of myself. Oh, wait. Oh, shit. Did I take it? Oh, yeah, I did. Okay. <laughs> I was like, let's take place to the center. Can it be Thursday? <laughs> For anyone who's listening, I have a bottle top topper that anytime I open it, it sets it for the time and day of the week. So I know I took my medication that day because that's how hardcore AD is. She was <laughs> bragging about it by showing it to me. And then she's like, crap, was it for today? <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a, I was not, I only got the bottle topper because it wasn't because I was worried after, well, it was because I was worried I forgot about it. It was more, I was worried I didn't forget about it. I had already taken it and now I was ready to take a second dose of it. And I was like, I don't need a second. <laughs> it all works. That's out. not it okay. It's helpful regardless. <laughs> so it, it sets the time for the day and time that I open the bottle and redo the cap. So I know like I opened it at this time. So I'm not like going back to, to it and being like, did I? See, for me, oh, I I'm a very different type of thinker. You have that. I have... Well, at least I did. I don't anymore because I don't have to have to take as much. But I had all of it laid out for a week. So I just picked up the day, the time. If it was still in there, I obviously didn't take it. So I would take it. If it wasn't there, I took it. Yay me. I don't have to take a second dose. I have to. If I was I didn't doing need that, like that. But I was also taking multiple medications so that made it a lot easier for me i just had to knock it back but if i'm if i'm doing something like that i have to remember to fill the pill thing out this is true but it was also kind of oddly satisfying to like look at it and be like look at me i remembered it almost every single day all the doses oh i missed this one but that's okay <laughs> samantha I have 80 plants and three of them died this week. If it tells you anything about my ADHD. Right. You definitely need to have some die. You have way too sad about it. No, I don't. Don't don't bring any more to me, please. I have so many. Oh, uh, okay. I won't. Okay. You can bring me the cute one. You already gave me one. Okay. You can bring me one more cute one. I was like, I already potted one for you. What are you talking about? Okay, this is enough of a side note. Going back. I know. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, The next part is going to be... I'm just going to be perfectly honest. I was not uh, diverting Montana back to the subject matter because I think everybody needs a break, so... It is... The next part is going to be very rough, I tried to cut out the parts of what is going to happen next that didn't benefit the rest of the story, but some of it is going to be very hard to listen to. So again, I just want to give that trigger warning for assault, um, just so you're aware of what is about to occur. On the night of October 3rd, the men decided to confront Gwen about their suspicions during a party at the house Jose Morel shared with their younger brother, Emmanuel, and older brother, Paul, who also previously engaged in sexual acts with Gwen. 
Also at this gathering were Paul's girlfriend, Nicole Brown. We hate her. Um, just, I'm going to go ahead and say that. We hate her. And friends, Jason Cazares, 22, and Jaren Nabors, 19. Want to guess how they confronted her? Rather not. The men demanded that Gwen drop her pants to prove she wasn't a man later that night. I don't understand how determining your genitals decides whether you're a man or not. Yeah, I don't get it either. When Gwen was in the bathroom later, because she refused to drop her pants... Nicole Brown went in and grabbed Gwen's crotch and shouted to the party, quote, it's a man, unquote. And for anyone who was guessing, that's assault. Yeah, that is 100%. That's assault. It doesn't matter what your gender is. If somebody grabs you in the crotch without your consent. It doesn't matter on the gender of either party. To be clarifying. It's assault. The guys who had had sexual relations with Gwen became enraged and violent. Why? That's the question Nicole I t- ask. Sorry. It's just- yeah. We'll get into it a little bit later, but yeah. Nicole testified that she warned Gwen that the men were, quote, very angry yeah, because she was helping along by doing what she did. I literally put in parentheses, you don't say you dumb bitch. She pisses me off because she knew what what would happen and she made it happen. Yeah, Nicole exactly. literally knew. She knew. Because here's the other thing that I didn't put in my notes. Nicole and Gwen got into a fight, like a physical fight. And Gwen ended up having the upper hand on Nicole and Nicole came back from that fight. And I feel like this is kind of what fueled like everybody's suspicion, not just the fact that Gwen wouldn't like drop her pants in front of people, but which by the way, nobody should be required to do for any reason whatsoever. That's no moronic, but whatever. But Nicole was like, Gwen's too strong to be a woman. She's got to be a man. Which she literally told dumb. everybody in that party. Yeah. She's too strong. I should have been able to beat her up. Like, first no, off, Wait bitch. a second. You're saying she, because she beat you, she couldn't possibly be a woman? So what does that say about you? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm a little confused. Why don't you drop your pants? Yeah. So, yeah. I didn't I didn't put that in my notes because I didn't feel it was relevant, but as we were talking about it, I was like, that shit's relevant, and I remember it, so I'm gonna go ahead and bring it up. Alright, I'm shutting up. Uh, Gwen tried, so Gwen tried to leave through the front door, but was confronted and forced back inside the house by Magson, Nabors, and Kazars. Emmanuel Morel testified that he also tried to escort Gwen away from the house, but was prevented by Magson 
and Nabors. So somebody tried to help. Yes. And I do want to say that from what it seems like from the differing test, there's so many different testimonies on this, on what happened. But from what it seems like, the Morrell brothers either tried to assist Gwen out of the house that night, were either upset about it, or left. And we'll get into it. But just remember that, and I'm going to have some harsh words to say about what their action, the actions that they take in this. And by no means do I think that people who have empathy and feel sorry or any type of feelings like that are to blame in any of these situations. But I do want to say, if you see something happening and it's not okay, if you don't intervene, you are a part of the problem. That's all I'm going to say about that. After Gwen was brought back into the house, Magdison grabbed at her skirt and underwear in an attempt to expose her genitals. He then proceeded to punch her in the face, knocking her to the ground and put her in a chokehold. But he was pulled off by some of the others. Gwen begged them to stop. Jose became angry and struck her in the head with a can of food, denning the can and opening a cut on her head. He then struck her again with a frying pan. The last words Morel heard Gwen speak were, quote, I told you I was sorry. I could go into more detail because there's a lot of detail in this case, but I won't. The violence against Gwen just grows over the hours. It's horrendous. And we're not that kind of podcast. I will say... At one point during the beating, Morel left for his room so that others would not see him cry. Which, I mean, it's nice. The dude has a conscience. But call the fucking police. Paul and Nicole also dipped out at some point again while Gwen was being brutally beaten. And this was over the course of hours. Literal hours. They were just beating her. This is why I don't cover these kind of cases. No. I mean, there should be emotion involved. I can't fathom being in that situation and not bare minimum calling the police. Bare minimum. I would have left almost immediately and called the police. Yeah. If if I felt like I couldn't actually physically come between them and make that stop, I would have called the police immediately. And stayed there until just, the police got there recording the whole thing. I can't imagine. But I can't imagine watching that or being a part of that in any way, shape, or form. And there's so much more to this. Oh, no, I don't. I, I 
I can only imagine. I also can't fathom ever, ever feeling a way towards another human being to the extent that I would want to do that. And let me be clear. I am not in this position on either side of this equation. However, I have been in an abusive relationship. I've had a man literally make me feel like I was worthless for over a decade. That being said, I never felt like doing any physical harm to him. Even though he called me, caused me serious harm. I cannot fathom just being a person who was attracted to another person and then found out that they were different in any way, shape, or form than what I had originally fathomed in my own mind and being angry about that enough to hurt them to this extent. I, I can't fathom that. I don't understand that. No, That makes either. zero sense. And to do it to this extent and then to involve other people and other people also feel the same way, I cannot understand. You get sad, I get mad. When I get crying, I'm to a level of angry that's probably better I'm not in the same room with other people. Yeah. I'm angry. You're, you're crying. Which most people would probably feel would be the other way around most of the time. Um, I want to beat the shit out of these people, personally. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not going to get any better from here, so... Go ahead and tell us how you're here. We need right here. All right. Yeah. So we have we have a funny family time break. Um. So Sophia nearly caught the house on fire today. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say God damn it. <laughs> I, I've been okay. gone at the office all day today. Um. And I come home. I get my stuff out of the car. And while I'm getting the stuff out of the car, I'm like smell it smells burnt like somebody i just figured oh somebody's been burning something in the yard in the neighborhood or whatever because we're at the new house right i walk in i'm like oh god somebody burned some popcorn really bad in the microwave i don't even get to pass the door very far and sophia goes there was an incident of course please of course there was <laughs> please <laughs> Do tell. There was a taquitos incident. So for those of you that don't no. know, <laughs> Sophia has certain obsessions when it comes to food. And right now it's beef taquitos. She likes to eat those. Like they're the easy, we're, we've been working with her to learn how to do things on her own. So we, we got her like a little step stool so she can use the microwave and she can heat her own taquitos or chicken pot pie. So very specific beef taquitos I have to get for her. It has to be a certain brand, has to be beef. She will not eat anything else. And it has to be banquet chicken pot pies. Why? I don't know. Cause they're not even good, but whatever. She likes them. So we get those for her. So she apparently looked very closely at the instructions for the beef taquitos. However, on the minutes, she looked at the oven time and not the microwave time. Oh my God. The microwave time was like a minute and a half. The oven time was nine minutes. So she was proud of herself and she put that nine minutes on there. 
<laughs> of course she did. Of course so it's she been did. a little while and she goes into the kitchen and she's like, hey, hey, dad. Why is the light smoking? He's like, what? So he's working, by the way. He works from home. And this was maybe, maybe 30 minutes before I got home. I found out later. He runs in there. He's like, what are you talking about? And she's like, the light's smoking. He's like, well, that's weird. So he turns the light off and there's still smoke. Then he looks in the microwave and the plastic plate she has put her taquitos on is melting in the microwave and short of catching fire. <laughs> so he's like all right well, let's turn that off real quick <laughs> he just takes the plate like tosses it in the trash outside <laughs> turns the attic fan on in our house because that helps circulate the air in the house so by the time i had come home 30 minutes later it still smelled burnt two hours later it still smelled burnt like you think burnt popcorn's bad burnt taquitos slash melting plastic definitely worse if you want to know <laughs> oh, oh so she's just like i didn't know <laughs> she was following instructions the wrong instructions so, so, so what did we learn she goes read instructions i said no 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 we read instructions we need to read the correct instructions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love her so much. Oh, my God. <laughs> she was like, they were being so mean to me talking about her siblings. I said, you know what? We all make mistakes, baby. And that's fine. You know, I've made mistakes and I've definitely messed stuff up. I've never caught the microwave on fire, but I've definitely made mistakes. Quick question. You going to make that mistake again? No, I am not going to make that mistake again. Well, oh, progress has been made. Also, less than an hour later, I was trying to cut open. So we just got um, patio furniture. This is just a caveat to the fun conversation to break this up. Um, we got patio furniture and one of the cushions was in like one of those vacuum sealed packs and I couldn't open it. And because and, my nails are fake. They're not real so if i try to open it my nails are just gonna pop off so paul was like well, why didn't you open them i said i didn't have a knife to open them and sophia goes why do you need a knife and she grabs it and starts yanking it with her teeth all right girl i got respect except for the fact that less than five seconds later she screams because apparently she had a loose tooth and when she did that she <laughs> of course she yanked her loose tooth out I was like, that is a new way of pulling a loose tooth. I haven't heard that one, but that one will definitely be added to the list going forward. She's she's me. you she's as me. a child. As a child. Oh my. <laughs> it's a good thing I've got training. That's why I love her it's, so much. it's a good thing I've got training. <laughs> it, it's very helpful in this in these times. Oh my god, poor her. Like I've done <sighs> that. I've microwaved things for too long. Or I've microwaved too long. I've left but them. try five times the amount of time that it's supposed to be. I have. If it if it makes her feel any better, you can tell her of the story of the time that I put macaroni and cheese into a metal pot. Stovetop pot. And I didn't want to wait for it on the stovetop. I was about her age, so I put it in the microwave. 
It didn't go. We well. did explain the the importance of not putting metal in the microwave really early, so she's good there. It only took about fifteen well, seconds I'm sure. for me to realize it wasn't going well, but it didn't I don't go really well. Know which one's worse? Because one took a lot longer and definitely could have caused a fire. And and I don't know if it's worse or better. Worse microwave's brand new it's not even a month old in the house we've only been in here for two months so that would have really sucked if she burned it down <laughs> well i can just really i really would have had to have that. some conversations with the insurance company oh really really this was an accident right <laughs> i have a nine-year-old what do you think <laughs> well i appreciated that little break it helped me feel a little bit better I always love hearing about Sophia. She is my spirit animal. <laughs> okay, so here we go. Um, Gwen was eventually knocked unconscious and then was bound by the wrists and ankles, wrapped in a comforter, and carried to the garage of the home. And I do just want to state that the reason they wrapped her in a comforter was not out of like, we don't want to see her. Because I know like in a lot of instances, people will cover people they care about in blankets or whatever to make them feel better. They did it and they made a point of saying it in their statements that they didn't want the blood to get on the furniture and that's the only reason only further specifying the fact that they looked at her as other yes yes things get a bit murky from here there are differing accounts of what happens next Pretty much the four men end up pointing the finger at one another or claiming they didn't see who killed her. In the end, and I read the testimonies of each of them. I'm not going to get into them specifically because it doesn't matter. We know what happened in the end. Someone strangled her with a rope and then struck her with a shovel leading to her death. So it wasn't enough to beat her. Then strangle her. They had to hit her with a shovel. She was then placed in the bed of a pickup truck. And the four... And again, there's a lot of testimony about what happened between after she was beaten and before she was killed, what they did. Testimony says that some of them left, came back. I'll, I'm not going to get into that. It doesn't matter. Here's what matters. She was placed in the bed of a pickup truck and the four men drove her body four hours away burying her near the Sierra Nevada mountains in a shallow grave in the El Dorado National Forest near Silver Fork Road in El Dorado County. 
on their way home, they purchased breakfast from the McDonald's drive through window. I want to make a distinction, though. The fact that they buried her so far away means they know what they did was wrong. Mm-hmm. The fact that they did this and the way that they did it tells me that they thought of her as other. And the fact that they got McDonald's afterwards meant that they felt no remorse for what they did and felt that they didn't do anything wrong, despite the fact that they knew that it was wrong. That's a very loaded group of statements. I agree. The simple fact that they stopped for breakfast just wrecked me. How do you do something like that and you're able to eat? I mess up a spelling in an email and I can't eat for two days. Are you kidding me? You're not the same. I can go ahead and tell you that. Yes. Later that same morning, during a phone conversation, Nicole, who we hate, I mean, we hate, but she ends up helping us in the end, but we still hate her because she antagonized this whole situation knowing what would happen. Let's be clear on that. None of this would have happened had she not assaulted Gwen by grabbing her genitalia. Nicole asked Jose Morel what happened, to which Jose replied, let's just say she had a long walk home. That's disgusting. Gwen normally checked in with her mother, so when she didn't come home the day after the party, her mother called the police on October 5th. The police didn't take her her missing... The police didn't take her missing persons report seriously at first because, duh, it's the 90s and partly because she was transgender. And she was also known to stay away from home overnight. But I do want to clarify, even when she stayed home overnight, she called her mother. When she didn't call her mother, her mother called her in as missing. It didn't take rumors long to reach her family, though. A rumor was spreading that a transgender girl had been outed at a party and was killed and buried in Tahoe. Gwen's aunt called the police after hearing the story, and finally, they seemed to take the case a bit more serious. They interviewed the partygoers, and one of them sung like a fucking canary, leading the police to the Morales' house. Two days after Gwen was reported missing, a friend of Jaron Nabors described him as appearing distraught. Nabors had confessed to a friend what the four had done shortly after returning from the gravesite. That friend tipped off police and agreed to wear a microphone during a subsequent conversation with Nabors about the murder. Confronted with the recording, the Boers agreed to lead authorities to the body on, octo- on October 15th. How do you feel about Nabors? I honestly don't know. 
not impressed, not sympathetic. Okay. Um, the Alameda County Sheriff's Office dispatched four crime scene investigators and two detectives to recover Arejo's body from the graveside. The four who were initially arrested and accused of the murder were Magson, age 22, Nabors, 19, Jose Morel, 22, and Paul Morel. Uh, I didn't put his age in here. I'm terribly sorry. Doesn't matter. Probably around the same age. Paul Morel was released after Nicole and Emil... Emmanuel Morel told police he had left with them before the murder occurred. But I again want to state that all of them were there for the attack. They all saw the attack. And I feel like some kind of accountability should be taken in that matter. It should but it's also really hard to convict. Yes. But we all have... It's just... That's it why it pisses me off. We've covered cases where juries convict all too easily. And then you have cases like this where it shouldn't have been that hard, but they didn't even try because there was no point because they knew it wouldn't go anywhere. Oh, you want to talk about hard? Let's talk about convictions. So we're down to three. But I said previously that there were four, right? I know a lot of names are involved in this one, but there were four people there that night when she died. We're missing one. But not for long. After Nabors was arrested, the idiot wrote a letter to his girlfriend, where he stated the group had discussed a, quote, Sopranos-type plant, or plant, a Sopranos-type plan, quote, a Sopranos-type plan to, quote, kill the bee and get rid of her body. However, the sheriff's officials intercepted the letter because fucking duh. I've never understood that. The police are going to listen to your calls. They sure as shit are going to read your mail. Yeah, you think? The letter ended up implicating Cesar's, our fourth dumbass, in this. As they are wont to do, one of the four idiots pleaded guilty to a lesser charge of voluntary manslaughter on February 24th, 2003. Yes, three years later. Jaron Nabors, during a February 2003 indictment proceedings, gave a detailed account of the murder and burial. As they were burying her, the men continued to disparage her. Nabors testified that he stated he couldn't believe that someone would ever do that, would be that deceitful, talking about Gwen. Deceiving them. As, a um, as opposed to deceiving a person, inviting them to a party, and then attacking them and murdering them. Before. Knowing that you already had suspicions about who they were, yeah. why would you? That even- other one is, that, yeah. that's way worse. Okay. Okay. Noted. 
And that, Jose Morel added, he was so mad he could still kick her a couple of more times. I'm sorry, there's something fucking wrong with you. And I want to say it, he didn't say her. Nabors received an 11-year sentence on August 25th, 2006, with credit for time served. He was expected to spend approximately five years in jail from that point on. For the other three, their trials and sentencings went a bit differently, as you can imagine. Before the first trial, the... And this is so... This whole, the whole, like, the trials that come are just wild. Before the first trial, the prosecuting attorney, Alameda County Deputy District Attorney Chris Lamiro, argued that simply being transgender should not be, should not have been a death sentence. Yes, I agree. No kidding. Thank you for that clarification. Quote. Quote from him. One can debate the propriety of one choosing to identify with a gender other than the one they were born with. But I trust juries to understand that people don't get to make life or death decisions simply based on someone's lifestyle. That's not a world in which I want to live or most people want to live. Same, Chris. Yeah. Same. During jury selection for the three's trial on March 15th, 2004, uh, prospective jurors were asked if they knew, and this is so wild. I, I, I didn't think that this, they would ask things like this, but prospective jurors were asked if they knew lesbians, gay, bisexual, or transgender people, whether they knew any recently married same-sex couples, whether they had met any transgender people, or whether they had seen a movie or theatrical performance depicting the activities of a transgender person. Yeah, they can ask those questions specifically in cases like these because that gives them the ability to eliminate people that might need to be eliminated. I didn't know that. Yep, I've served Um, on a jury and had those kind of questions asked, so. It was so specific, but. There's a reason why it has to be that specific. The defense attorneys obviously had an issue with this, explaining that the last question had specifically asked if prospective jurors had watched the film Boys Don't Cry or the play Laramie Project, which covers like trans mm-hmm. people, um, but was it, it was eventually changed over those specific issues. Well, and- it benefits and it and it hinders. So the thing is, they can the defense can read the emotional facial reactions of the people that are up for jury selection to decide whether they're automatically prejudiced, honestly, towards that or against. So that can yeah. help or hurt. It can go either way, but it also helps the, even the defense because they're allowed to strike people 
as options from the jury as well, it gives them the opportunity to eliminate people that they feel would not be open to the case in the way they should. Yeah. Which I actually write here. I guess I was in my feels when I read this, but basically it says, which I'm glad they actually tried to find unbiased people for the jury. Even today, it would be hard to find a jury that isn't biased against the trans community. However, even just 20 years ago, you can see how little was known about the LGBTQ community simply because someone is a part of the LGBTQ part of the community doesn't give them a pass on bias against transgender or the transgender community. Which is true. Yeah. There are plenty of people who are part of the LGBTQ portion of the community and still have biases against the T portion. Yeah. Well, I mean, that goes for honestly any portion. There are always some that could be biased against any one other. That's kind of supposed to be the point of putting them together is they're all supposed to be a united front. And that's the idea. It's not always the case. Well, it's it's so funny to me that people, and I'm going to say this, and I might upset people, but people who are part of the LGBTQ portion of, like, the community are upset with, like, the T, or they don't understand the T. Sweethearts, who do you think led Stonewall? Who led a lot of stuff? That's all I gotta say. That's all I got. We let a lot of our, uh, what is it? Our uh, read up on your own history. (laughs) It's it's, who? I mean, honestly, who led it all? But uh, what is it called? Uh, Paris is burning. Watch that one time. Yeah, It, it was probably a person of color, and it was probably a trans person. Let's be real here. Anyway. This thankfully doesn't play into like the jury selection and the outcome of the trials, but I did want to make a point of that because I feel like a lot of the times when I'm hearing about like issues when it comes to the trans community, not all of the LGBTQ community is supporting them. And as a portion of the LGBTQ community i want to say i do Mm -hmm. because i know my history and i know who helped us get right and honestly for me i'm just gonna be perfectly honest i'm on the a side so recently acknowledged but it doesn't matter what part of it you're a part of i support all of it because we're all freaking humans and we all deserve the same rights so it's that simple hell yeah so, the first trial began... At, we're going on, like, almost two hours. I'm so sorry. Really I told late. you this was going to be long. <laughs> the first trial began... Well, I'm going to finish I'm this up. I'm out of wine quickly. and I'm out of beer. Make Paul bring you something. The first trial began on April 14th, 2004. Boy, howdy, does it start out... Why did I put boy, howdy? Of course you did. Does it start out strong? She says with sarcasm. You didn't say it with sarcasm at all. Okay. Boy, howdy, does it start out with sarcasm? Whatever. I don't know what I meant four months ago, okay? 
The prosecuting attorney, Lamiro, used male pronouns. Oh, that's what I meant. The prosecuting attorney, Lamiro, used male pronouns and Gwen's dead name when referring to her. Magdison's attorney argues he shouldn't be charged with murder, but manslaughter. He said Magdison wasn't biased, but simply shocked into murder. Pretty much tried to use the gay panic defense. Not a defense. Not a real thing. You're a piece of shit. Nabors also goes on to say he feels Gwen raped his friends through deception. How about coercion? Does that work? I want to be clear about this because I had a hard time putting this portion of this into this whole case. That's not rape. Nope. That's not rape. Rape is inserting your control over somebody to sexually assault them. This was not rape. Was it deception? Yes. But they gladly did it. I think what a lot of people miss is it's either rape or it's sex. Sex is consensual. Rape is forced. It's that simple. She didn't force them. No. They may have been deceived at some point, but she didn't force them. And even is and, consensual. Those are the only two options. I can tell you right now, even when some of those men had questions about her gender, they continued. Oh, obviously. That's why they're so angry after. Even on the night that they killed her, one of them took her to the bathroom and had sex with her. Sounds like a you problem. Yes. So, I want to be clear. She should have told them up front that she was transgender. I believe honesty is important, especially when it comes to being in a sexual relationship. However, we are talking about the 90s. I mean, even today, it's obvious with these statistics that I gave you at the start of this episode. Simply existing as a transgender person does not give you a pass to live. If somebody is attracted to you and they hit on you, I have read case after case when researching this where men have been attracted to women and they turned out to be trans women and they killed them without even being sexually intimate with them. It does not give you a pass to live. Let that sink in. There could be a reason why she did not tell them. Let's be clear. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Sorry. to say? The first trial ended in a mistrial on June 22nd, following nine days of deliberation. When the jurors were unable to reach a unanimous decision for the three men. While the jury agreed that Gwen had been murdered, they could not agree whether it was premeditated. Are you freaking kidding me? 
they threw a party to fucking kill her. Yeah, Are fine. you kidding it's me? Fine. But it's okay. whatever. The final votes were 10 to 2 in favor of acquitting Morel and Cazares of first-degree murder and 7 to 5 in favor of convicting Magdison of first-degree murder. Although, although they were given options of convic- convicting the men of second-degree murder or manslaughter, they were unable to proceed past the first-degree murder deliberations. There was probably somebody on the fucking juror like me who was like, this was first-degree murder. Do you guys not know what this is? Yeah. So we have the second trial. The second trial began May 31st, 2005. Publicity for the transgender activists was credited with informing the public about the tactics that the defense lawyers had adopted to blame Gwen for her own death, changing the approach to the case. The day after the first trial ended in a mistrial, a court granted Gwen's mother Gwen's mother's petition for post-hominous name change, requiring the defense lawyers to refer to the victim with female pronouns. So that's why in the first trial, they dead-named her and gave her the wrong pronouns. Magdison, Morel, and Cazares were charged with first-degree murder with hate crime enhancements. The three idiots ended up testifying in the second trial and they all pointed the finger at each other, including Nabors. Nabors testifying for the prosecution stated that Magdison admitted to strangling Gwen. Morel testified that Nabors was responsible for the major head injuries to Gwen but supported the assertions that Magdison had strangled her. Magdison testified that Nabors admitted he had strangled Gwen. During Magdison's testimony, a tape of his initial interview with the police was shown in which... God damn it. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. I just remembered this part in which an investigator was recorded coaching him to use the trans panic defense. So he had a police officer coaching him to use that defense. And this shows you why their cases aren't as important. On September 8th, the jury announced that it had reached a verdict on two of the three defendants. As Judge Harry Shepard instructed, the verdicts were kept secret. On September 12th, after a week of deliberation, the jury announced its verdicts. It had deadlocked on Kazars, voting 9-3 in favor of convicting him for murder, Magdison and Morrell were each convicted on the charge of second-degree murder, but not convicted of the hate crime enhancement allegations. Which I just don't understand. It's obvious it's a hate crime. Like, if anything's a hate crime, that's a hate crime. 
after the trial, one of the jurors stated in an interview with the San Francisco Chronicle that the murder convictions murder conviction was because the community standard is not and cannot be that killing is something a reasonable reasonable person would have done that night, but not hate crimes since the murder was believed to have been committed not because Gwen was transgender, but to cover up a situation that had gotten out of control. Bullshit. Sorry. That what? To cover up a situation that had gotten out of control caused by the fact that they had a problem. The fact that she didn't, she wasn't exactly what they expected, essentially. A situation that they put in front of everybody and made a big deal about. That nobody even had to know anything about, but they made it known to everybody. Okay, sure, 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 sure. Attorney Lamiro had undermined criminal intent by commenting, quote, Gwen being transgender was not a provocative act. It's who she was. However, I would not further ignore the reality that Gwen made some decisions in her relations with these defendants that were impossible to defend. Okay. I don't think most jurors are going to think it's okay to engage someone in sexual activity knowing they assume you have one sexual attack. I will argue that because I will guarantee that every guy I've ever been with has assumed a certain amount. They assumed. Whether they were right or wrong doesn't, that's not the point. They assumed. I have a hard time with this because I don't care what's in your pants. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. (laughs) I'm just happy to be here. Um, If you had a problem with it, then it's really fucking simple. I'm not interested anymore and walk away. You don't have to fucking take somebody's life. It's that simple. Yeah. You are fully consenting or not consenting. Gwen did not make anybody continue. If they did, they chose to, and they had a problem with it later and they can fucking deal with that. Yeah, and I gotta, I gotta be honest with you. Like Gwen didn't let her. You don't have to tell. Here's the thing. I don't care. I don't fucking care if you want somebody to give you a blowjob, and then you suddenly have a problem with it because you find out that their genitalia is different from what you expected. That's a you problem and not a they problem. That's completely on you, and you should deal with that. But it doesn't include with you then bashing the other person. You got what you wanted. That's what you wanted. If it's anything further than that, again, you are making the assumption. At some point, you realize your assumption was either wrong or correct. And you choose to proceed. Again, that is on you. It is not on the other person. Should you choose to proceed or not proceed, that is on you. Again, I don't understand how a person's life is at stake. At any point in time during any of these interactions, it should. Yeah, I don't either. It's the uh, it's disgusting. It makes it's, zero sense. If to I me. if I had been with somebody who said if they I, were a man, 
or even a woman it, I, at this point it doesn't matter you guys know i i don't discriminate and i have a different perspective on like sexual relationships but and they came out and was like i'm a biological different than what you had sex with i'd be like okay it makes no difference to me even if for some reason i didn't want that i would just simply say Okay, well, I'm not interested in that, but it was really nice getting to know you. Go my separate ways. Bye. That is fucking it. Why would I need to take somebody's life for that? They fooled me. Okay. But do I really care? Not really. I either want it or I I had a good time. I either want it or I don't. Uh, Michael Magdison and Jose Morrell were sentenced in January to 15 years to life in prison for a second degree murder, which not enough. Um, While Morell expressed deep sorrow and regret for Gwen's family, Magdison was angry about his verdict and expressed no remorse for his role in murdering Gwen, according to presiding judge Harry Shepard. Not surprised. Also, they should have had life. This was premeditated. I don't care who says what. The party was set up. People already knew that they were going to confront Gwen. And they knew if a certain outcome came that they were going to harm her. So that's premeditation in my book. Say what you will. Now for Jason Cazares. To avoid a third trial, because Cazares didn't come through on the second trial, Cazares pleaded pleaded guilty, or sorry, Cazares pleaded no contest to manslaughter on December 16th, 2005. Again, this is not manslaughter. Everyone who was in that house that night should have gotten first degree murder. I'll say it now. Should have. Didn't, but okay. And Cazares was sentenced to six years in prison with credit for time already served. Attorney Gloria Allred represented Gwen's family. Cazares asked to begin serving his sentence after the birth of his third child, scheduled for March or April 2006. Which was granted. Could not care less. Hey, uh, Gwen might have wanted a family, but sure. The child might be better off not knowing who you are. According to Lamero, Carez was willing to plead guilty to, to being an accessory after the fact. But that deal was rejected because the sentence was just three years and admitted no culpability in the murder. All of that aside, and I'm I'm going to be clear with you. I read the transcripts for their different testimonies. I can give you what I think happened. I'm not going to do it on this podcast because I don't want to be liable in any type of way. There is a specific aggressor in this. And there is an underdog aggressor in this. And I think you and I both know who that is. 
one of them took a plea deal and got out pretty easy. And I think that the justice system failed in this whole case. And that's simply it. The entire thing was, at the end of the day, they all got less than 20 years and for a life, an entire life that they not only took, but they brutally took, was taken away. And I just can't get behind this. Our justice system failed. Three trials. Uh, but it wasn't all for naught. It wasn't. In the aftermath of Gwen's murder, the, oh my God, here we go. I forgot to write this in here. In the aftermath of Gwen's murder, none other than the Westboro Baptist Church popped up. If you aren't familiar with them, and I just put in brackets, explains. Well, friends, I doubt that any of you are not familiar, but if you aren't, they tend to protest deaths of people who happen to be a part of the LGBTQIA community um, for no other reason than they have nothing else to do, I, I guess. Um, so they said they were going to protest Gwen's funeral. Um, they, but in the end, they didn't. And I say in quotes that they didn't, but people did show up to picket with signs for Gwen's funeral as her mother was taking her remains to get. We're protesting the fact that she was brutally murdered. I don't fucking know. I don't understand these people. I can't understand it. So her mother's taking her casket in for her to be cremated. But some good came out of it. Do you... Have you ever seen when the West... Um the West, whatever, Westboro Baptist Church is protesting and you've seen the people out front with the angel wings blocking them? No, I avoid anything to do with them, honestly. There are people who now, when the Westboro Baptist Church shows up to some kind of funeral or whatever, because they do, they show up to funerals of people in the LGBTQIA community die, especially if they're part of the military, there are angels, quote-unquote, that show up. And they have these giant wings that they strap to their backs to cover the funeral processions from the picketers of the Baptist Church. It started from Gwen. Her friends made the wings. To block the interesting way, uh, way of picketers. It's pretty smart. Yeah. So her mother walked in, basically, with just 
angel wings carrying her in and not the the uh, picketers out there. So I thought that was quite sweet. Um, also, yeah. Um, on the first anniversary of the murder, Horizon Foundation created the Gwen Arejo, Arejo Memorial Fund for Transgender Education. The, the fund's purpose was to support school-based programs in the nine-county Bay Area that promote understanding of transgender people and issues through annual grants. Through this fund, Sylvia Guerrero, Gwen's mother, and her family spoke in middle and high schools about transgender awareness and understanding. By 2005, Guerrero had spoken to more than 20 schools. Are you done with me? No, there's just a lot of noise, so I'm having to mute my thing. Oh, okay. Um, no, I'm, I'm done. We're done. That was me washing my hands. I'm done with this. This is a lot and definitely heavy. Yeah, I'm so sorry. It's two hours. I haven't... Oh my god, I've never done an episode this long. I'm so sorry. I didn't expect it to be from... Oh my god. I might have to cut a lot stuff of or you might have to just edit it to two episodes. I don't know what to do. Um, they might not get one early in the morning because it is almost 11 o'clock. Yeah, time. I know. So it's late. I might have to edit it in the morning and then they get it. And if you're listening to me say, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I probably edit it later. <laughs> I mean, it was, I didn't it was like... information that needed to be told. Um, it was a lot of information. It was a lot of information pretty late at night. Um, but I'm so sorry. Uh, no, I'm not sorry. No, it, don't it be was sorry. Important. It was important. Um, it's it's sad that it's important and that we have to tell this story, but it is. So, oh my god! Yeah, good job for the case. I hate that it happened Thanks. and that you had to cover it, but I'm glad you did. Yeah, I have, I've been getting better at my research too. Mm-hmm. Also. Before we finish and we go into like our um, end of episode um, shenanigans, I just want to say that if you feel so inclined to donate to some type of organization to help support the trans community or the LGBTQIA community, um, the one that I typically donate to and I find um, uses that funding in an appropriate way is the Trevor Project. So if that's something you feel you should do to help, because I have to say, you know, you don't have to just be a loud voice like myself um, and be a bitch in all situations. You can also donate and that goes a long way. The Trevor project is truly one of the best foundations I have found when it comes to that community. I might be wrong. If somebody wants to tell me I'm wrong and tell me a better one, I'm here to fucking listen. Let's go. Who else I need to 
my company goes through too so yeah so um i donate to it i'm sure you've donated to it at some point just donate to it if you want to know a little bit about the trevor project basically they're a they're not a corporation they're well i guess they are but they they set up places that are safe havens for younger lgbtqia individuals to go their sanctuary places for them to go when their family kicks them out because of how they identify and it is a safe place and all of the funding goes to housing clothing feeding that community and you don't always get that so bada bing bada bam anyway samantha where can all of our depressed listeners now find us on social media. You can find us at River Tales Podcast on Facebook and Instagram if you are so inclined to do so. And you can email us at ReaperGals at ReaperTales.com. Um, be sure to like, rate, review. rate, review, subscribe, leave a worded review, all the things. You guys know the deal. Yeah. And we're cutting it off now because we're at two hours and <laughs> 10 minutes. So bye. Love you. Love you. Mean it. The Reaper.